And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. So let me start this out with a question. Do you ever feel like your partner is always making these unnecessary demands on you? Maybe they're trying to encroach on your personal space or constantly trying to talk to you about their emotions. Well, you might be asking yourself, what more could they possibly want from me? Or maybe you're just one of those lone warriors and the idea of a relationship just fills you with a sense of terror. Well, if you can relate to any of that, then you might be suffering from fear of intimacy. But what exactly is fear of intimacy? Now, it's defined as a deep-seated fear of getting emotionally and sometimes physically connected to another person. And this fear typically has the effect of driving a person to pull away anytime the relationship gets too close. So that is our topic today. And I'm going to introduce you to my friend Amanda, who has a lot of experience in this area, and we're going to talk to her about that. So I'm going to introduce you to Amanda and ask her this question to start. Why should we have this discussion with you? Hi, Tony. Thank you. Um, well, I think it's one of the main uh, it's one of the main contributors to why people don't experience the love or amazing relationship that they really want. What they're fearing, the intimacy, is keeping them from having that amazing relationship. Definitely. So you need intimacy to have a relationship is what you're saying. Yes, it's very foundational, right, to creating a relationship. So it, and it involves both emotional and physical closeness and openness. Openness. And how do you define openness in a relationship? So openness, just being open hearted is being able to receive the love coming in and be able to to share yourself and and the love coming out so it's just kind of a flow right an openness of flow so now you work with people uh involved in relationships yes i do uh well tell us a little bit more about that and what you do and how you come across people that are struggling with this type of fear in their life oh sure so um so i help women remember who they are to prepare for an extraordinary relationship with a high quality man that's what i do Oh, so, so you would be helping women prepare for someone like me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. Yes. And, um, you know, and surprisingly, it, you know, it comes up in these intimacy fears come up in ways that look like, you know, one failed relationship after the next, choosing people that are, are not even interested in you, right? But you're going after these guys. So, I mean, that's just from a woman's perspective or whatever. So, yeah, so that's what I do. And there's plenty of reasons why we have these fears. So, so now do you find this is something that's typically experienced by men, women, or both this fear of intimacy? Oh, good question. This is across the board. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I only, I've only been working with um, women. Mm -hmm. However, 
I've had friends and I've dated people and I was married to people. So, or to one person anyways. So yes, it's definitely across the board. And I'm sure, I mean, we're all human. Yeah. Something that we have as human beings. So do you think that there's something deep seated in this fear? Is it something that people develop over time? Is it something that people are maybe it's in their genetic makeup? Yeah. I think that how comfortable someone is with intimacy, it's often how comfortable we are with seeing and accepting ourselves, you know, through empathy, um, understanding and compassion. And when we judge, I think we're programmed to kind of make judgments, right? And, and if we judge parts of ourselves as bad, good, taboo, and then we reject these parts of ourselves from, you know, from conditioning, from culture, parents, um, society, or media, Uh, we won't feel comfortable showing somebody else these parts, right? Even though they're very much a part of us. So once we get into the the reasons for that, um, we're definitely hardwired. So we're hardwired for that. Aren't we hardwired to to want that loving relationship though? Yes, we definitely definitely are. And I'm sorry, probably misspoke there. Yes, that loving, belonging, that sense of loving and belonging is very important to us and to our growth and but we're also, our brain is hardwired for protection, right? So when we're rejected by someone, right? Because that's what intimacy can, the effect of intimacy can have, right? Is maybe a sense of uh, rejection. Like I said, when we're rejecting ourselves, then of course, if we get close to somebody else, well, if they see this, then they're going to reject it too. So we either, you know, shut it down. We don't even go that far or we, we reject them first, Right. Interesting. When you brought that up, I just started to think maybe we fear intimacy because we don't truly love ourselves, and we see flaws in ourselves, and we're trying to protect ourselves from letting others see those flaws. For example, in, in my life, and I'll just, you know, not that this is anything to do with my <laughs> relationship uh, lifestyle, but I tend to be a very disorganized person. Uh, you wouldn't know that by having an interview with me and hearing me on the podcast, I seem to come across that I've got everything organized. And I I am in a way because I'm one of those people. I don't know if you're familiar with Myers Briggs personality profile, but the last letter is a P or a J. A J is the organized person. A P is somebody who kind of just wings it and does it off the cuff. And I'm more of that kind of person. But because I'm so disorganized, like my house is not the great neatest place in the world. Sometimes I fear, you know, bringing people over to come over to see like a messy house. (laughs) Now, if we have something more internal that we're trying to hide, then we might not want to invite somebody into our life. Does that make sense? Most definitely. Yes, exactly. Um, It's almost like, and we, we also recognize too, maybe it's unconsciously, but when we are in a relationship with somebody else or, you know, even our kids or something, we know that they're a pretty good mirror for what's inside of us. So if we don't look at it, maybe they won't see it. Right. Or if, so if, if we're not looking at it, maybe nobody else will see it. Right. right. So, so that's kind of like a, it's very protective. And one more um, facet too, to the intimacy fear is um, the overgeneralization, right? So not only is it fearful that you um, invite people into you know, into me, see, you're inviting other people to see you without getting into the part of the brain or the limbic system. But we also have um, feelings and associations, right, in our memories. So one other thing is if we have a bad experience with love, you know, just the feeling of love, and it hurts, 
then we protect ourselves by not getting close to anybody, sabotaging current relationships and or remaining in a toxic relationship because it feels familiar, right? Oh, yeah. That, now, I see that a lot. Uh, I know a lot of people. And even when I was uh, in the dating world, I met a lot of girls who would talk about their past relationships. And you're sitting there going, wow, you know, why did you stay in this? You know, I'd have been out the door in 10 minutes. Uh, what you just said, it becomes familiar to them. So they don't want the change and they'll, they'll endure the bad parts because somehow they might be getting some kind of payoff out of that. Yeah, definitely. There's a reinforcement there. Right. And so even if, for example, my father left and, and that means you tell yourself a story about that, right. When you're younger, I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable. I'll never be loved by a man. Right. Um, like I said, it could be conscious or unconscious, um, probably on an unconscious level. And then there you go, living that out. And you don't even recognize, like, why is this not working? Like, why do I always get these men that don't love me? Or which may or may not be the, the real case. I mean, everything's an illusion anyways, but <laughs> you know That's what true. I mean? So, well, I'm, I'll backtrack a little bit because I love the way you brought up the brain and the limbic system. And I'm a big believer in the theory of the triune brain. Uh, Paul McLean uh, came up with that theory. You have the three brains. You have your your physical brain, which is your reptile brain or chimp brain, depending on what you call it. That's the amygdala. Uh, say that word five times fast, and then you have yeah, and then you you get into the 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 inner brain, which is more the emotional brain, the, the mammalian brain. Another another one to say five times fast, and then there's the rational brain, the thinking brain on the outside, the cerebral cortex. And most people think we make our decisions from the cerebral cortex, but really most of our decisions decisions are made from that reptile brain, that fight or flight mentality. So you brought up before, if you've been burned in a relationship, your body and your brain is going to go to protect yourself, and that's when that reptile or chimp brain takes over and just says, nope, you don't want this. Stay yeah. away from that. Definitely. I love that. Yeah. Like the amygdala, you have that feeling, right? So you have that feeling of love. It goes to your hippocampus and says, Hey, what's, what's in the file cabinets on this? It pulls it out. Oh, you got burned last time. Like you said, send it to the frontal cortex there. And, and there you go. There's your, there's your decision-making. So definitely. Yes. Yeah. And we use that cerebral cortex to rationalize the decisions that we've already made internally, that the other part of the brain has already made it. And then we just go out and rationalize it. So, which I think yes. is, is pretty fascinating, but that's a whole other conversation that we could probably get into. But let me go back to this fear because, you know, uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier is sometimes you feel that people are trying to encroach on your personal space and, I know a lot of guys are like this when the female partner in that relationship starts talking too much about emotions and they're like, oh, they're not into talking about the emotions. So the walls go up there, too. And it's also a fear because when you start sharing your emotions with somebody, that is a real intimacy between you and that person. How do you think someone can overcome those types of fears? What would be the first step that someone may take if they want to maybe let their guard down a little bit more with someone so that they can give up some of their personal space and discuss these topics like emotions? Sure, sure. That's a really good question. So so first, I would say for a man and a woman, I would say just to, to be aware of the differences between a man and a woman, right? And, and their trains of thoughts and how much comfort they feel with feeling, right? Um, if that makes any sense. I think to recognize, to, to know that, okay, my brain is 
hardwired to protect me. And even though I feel like this could be a threat, like I know that there's not a saber tooth tiger around the corner. I know that I will not die if I get rejected, right? Like we no longer are living with cavemen in a community like that. It's going to be okay, right? So I can really go after what I want. I can share what I want. And that's going to be that's, I'm going to be okay and I'm going to be safe no matter what. So I think just recognizing that for a moment between male or female, of course. And I would say that I guess the short answer for to overcome that fear is to just bring your continuous awareness to understanding and having compassion to yourself as well as to somebody else though. So, so you're recognizing, okay, I'm being, I'm fearful right now of, I'm feeling hesitant to say how I'm feeling just to recognize that yourself and maybe even to say that to the other person and to also recognize and understand, you know, if you're on the other side of it, this person is feeling something and let me create some space so I can hear what they're feeling. So I feel like putting the attention onto trying to understand somebody else perhaps is, would be the key in that situation. So when they're asking you to reveal some of your emotions, maybe the reason that they want to have you do that is so that can create a bond between you and that person. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. And again, I feel like, uh, again, not to take it into other places, but to recognize the difference of how men feel bonded and how women feel bonded too, right? And Yes, we are totally different. I mean, um, our genetic makeup is different. Our, uh, our biology is different. And a lot of times our emotions are. Definitely, definitely. There's a book out that I read, and I can't remember the title, but it talks about men being like waffles and women being like spaghetti. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the book, and I wish I remember the title. I'll have to check. I'll have to look it up and post it on my uh, Facebook page. But anyway, it talks about how men really compartmentalize things. We put things into compartments. Our work is separate from our home life. Our parenting is separate from our relationship. Our relationship with our friends is different. Women tend to be like spaghetti. When you put the sauce on it, everything sticks to it. So everything is all kind of together. So what's going on at work affects them at home, affects them in the relationship with their partner, affects them with the relationship with the children and the house and everything. And it's all together, whereas men compartmentalize it. Now, again, we're being very general here, but for the most part, this book really lays this out and it makes a lot of sense. So if you don't understand that about someone, Another thing that I tend to find is we, we guys, we want to fix things. If you as a woman come home and start telling me about what happened at your work, my reaction is going to be, well, this is what you got to do to fix it. And you're like, well, I didn't want you to come in and fix it. I just wanted to tell you about it so I could let that out. I could vent to somebody and feel loved and feel intimacy. Definitely. And I love how you said that too. Like, so the other thing too, another um, way to another anecdote, I think is, uh, I'm sure you've heard of what is it? nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And I okay. feel like just being able to, so for a woman to understand, okay, my man does not want to be hearing a long drawn out story. His brain doesn't work that way. I can understand that and honor that. So, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? Hey, you know what? I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit disconnected and I really have a need for um, some love and uh, connection time. So could you come home after work tonight? So you're, you're, so you're able to communicate what it is you're feeling, what you want, and, and you're saying it, you know, clearly not, 
there's no there's no roundabout there. It's very clear for both sides. You, you know, you, you, as you're making the request. Um, that makes total sense. I, I like that. So let me ask you again, if anyone out there listening right now, maybe they're going through these types of things in their life and they think they really need to reach out to somebody who might be able to help them. Where would they reach out to you for this? Oh, sure. I'm on Facebook. I have my personal profile, Amanda Lynn Burton. There's a free Facebook group also where I offer free content, talk about things like this. It's called Aligning with Love is the free Facebook group. Um, I'm on Instagram a little bit and I have a website as well, amandalynburton.com. So it's all pretty straightforward. Just <laughs> Amanda Lynn Burton. Amanda Lynn Burton. And I will be posting that in the uh, Facebook group, Strive to Thrive, to go along with the podcast so that they can reach out to you that way. But I'm going to change gears a little bit and just ask you a couple of questions so that people can maybe get to know you a little bit better. So let me ask you, is there anything in your life that uh, people tend to misunderstand about you? That's a really great question. I think maybe one thing that people misunderstand is, you know, I guess some of my friends had mentioned, well, you're encouraging these, these relationships for for these people, and and people always have to work on themselves first, which, which I, I understand. However, I also, like I said, well, we were talking about overgeneralization and stuff like that with fears of intimacy. You are not going to learn how to swim by reading the book. You have to get it back in the game. You have to, not to use psychology terms, but like extinction. You want to get back in the game and, and start creating some new memories and experiences with your new knowledge so you can have what it is that you really want. I think that's maybe a misunderstanding that I'm encouraging these relationships and that and that's it. That's not it at all. We're, I feel like we're really unraveling, peeling back a person to, to really get into what it is they really want and really allow, allowing them to shine in order to create what they want. It just so happens that an amazing relationship ends up coming to fruition. That's all. <laughs> yes, exactly. So l- let me kind of follow up with that. So what's one thing that working with you in, in your program Uh, What is something that it's done for a client that you did not expect? One thing it did was, so I I know that when you work on yourself, you find these, these um, shifts in other areas. So, so one thing that shifted for her was financial abundance, which was really funny um, because that we didn't even talk about that at all. So, so that was one thing that was really kind of neat for, for me as a coach to kind of experience with her too. Is there a place in your life where a client has really touched your heart in your practice? Can you tell me maybe, obviously without naming names, but if there was a time where you were really touched by something? Oh my gosh. I don't know if I, I feel comfortable admitting this. It's a little vulnerable, but I do feel like I'm, I'm pretty touched a lot of the times. I mean, you know, a couple of times, especially some of the techniques or strategies that I use going back with somebody to really find their, to find that little girl, that spunky little girl who's ready to unleash, you know, going back to those moments with people. I think those, you know, I get chills when I talk about it now, even those moments are really, really quite amazing. And then just to see what happens after that has been really neat. 
I don't know. It just makes my heart beat a little bit faster. So <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Sadly, just listening to this podcast, I can hear it in your voice too. But just seeing when you talk about that, I can just see the whole energy shift from you. So I can tell that that definitely has touched you and it makes you pretty excited. So what are the best resources that have helped you along the way in your life and in your life of working with others and helping them get over this fear of intimacy and this way of bettering their relationships? Good question. Um, the best resources, I would say, I mean, I love books. I love audiobooks. I just kind of follow my inspiration, whatever one calls to me. But most of the time it comes from other people will mention a book. And I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, I journal a lot. So the kind of the the lie, the overgeneralizations or the lies that I know are in there, I'll be sure to get those out, put them on paper and then pick a new thought. And I make sure I write all this down. So so that's been a huge resource for me. I also have um, a coach that I work with too. So all of that has been super helpful to me. I mean, I'm constantly reading TED Talks, all of that good stuff, right? There's so much available to us. Yeah, there is so much available to us right now. And even at just right on our phones, it's something that we carry around with us. We found out through a discussion that we had that that we've both been in the SUNY system, state of New York education. And I thought that was kind of an interesting connection that we had. The interesting thing is back when we were in school, you didn't carry around this little computer that was strapped to your you know, belt or in your purse or in your pocket. It was, uh, you had to actually go to a computer to look things up. I know some people listening may have actually remember having to go to a library if they want to do research on something. And now we can research anything. We can watch a YouTube video. We can look up information. We can get anything right on our little phones that we carry around with us. So sometimes uh, that's the blessing of them. Now there's another curse, but that's a whole other topic we could get into. In fact, as long as I opened up the door on that, I do want to ask, what do you think when people are in relationships and they're constantly looking at their phones instead of the person who's seated right in front of you? Oh, sure. I mean, that's pretty simple that, you know, you're just kind of, again, it's blocking the intimacy. You're looking into your phone, not into each other <laughs> or into me. Yeah. yeah so I, I always suggest, unless it's something really important, put the phone away. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have a daughter who has some, some health related issues occasionally. So I always like to make sure that she's not trying to reach out to me. So I'll have the phone there. If I'm out, you can just peek at it and you know that it's something that's not important. So just put it, put it away. And that phone can be an intimacy blocker. I like how you how you uh, translated that too. That's good. So the last question I'm going to ask today is something I ask everyone on the podcast, and that is, how do you define purposely positive? What does being purposely positive mean to you? Oh, I love that. It sounds to me, I feel like you're, you're doing, you're choosing on purpose. So I'm choosing the thoughts that I want to have purposely, and it serves my purpose. <laughs> It serves your purpose. Yeah. And that's what, when I named the Purposely Positive podcast, the word purpose means it not only is it on purpose, but it has a purpose. Mm -hmm. So, and you picked right up on that. Very, very good. I like that. Amanda Lynn Burton is where we find you on Facebook. Just look that up, Amanda Lynn Burton, or on, uh, you said Instagram as well? Yep. Instagram. I have a, a, a website as well. Okay. Is it, you have a website too? Is that amandalynburton.com or is it something else? Yep. You got it. Amandalynburton.com. <laughs> okay. And your Facebook group, you mentioned that earlier was? It's called Aligning with Love. 
aligning with love. So there's lots of ways to reach out. And I hope people will do that, especially if they're going through a lot of these issues, because sometimes it's just good to sit down and air that out and talk to somebody who, who really understands where you're coming from. I appreciate you being on the show today, Amanda, and I hope we will talk again real soon. Yes, thank you so much. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. If you would like to stop striving in your life and start thriving, come to my website, TonyWCoaching.com, and you can download my free ebook, Strive to Thrive. That will help you go to the next level in your life and even help you have a purposely positive life as well. You have a great day now.